Hello, and welcome to another Modest Conversation. This is very exciting because we have back on the show, Alexia, this is, you're the first person to ever do two Modest Conversations. I am the most modest of uh, conversators, yeah, <laughs> conversers. So you and I were talking and we thought that we had to do something on this Bitcoin fork and kind of an update on our first conversation about ICOs and things that happened because it's been, what, it's been like probably six weeks, not even. Yeah, but for a lot's changed. A lot's changed. For Bitcoin, it's like 10 years. It's like Bitcoin years, like dog years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so you want to start, I mean, you, you had some really interesting insights on what's going on. What happened with Bitcoin Cash? What's going on? So no one really knows what's going on. I think that's the, the number one rule in the crypto community. It, yeah. it changes day to day. I mean, if the Ethereum flash crash teaches you anything, it's that people are moving millions of dollars and have no idea how it will affect the market. Uh, so no one knows what's going on, but we've got, we've got some, some basic facts that we all agree on. So August 1st, uh, Bitcoin decided to split so there's almost like a software update of sorts so bitcoin to say mm. that decides is a little bit pleasant that's a little bit of like that's like a, a british pleasantry for a it. group of miners <laughs> got angry with a group of developers and they decided to start uh, their own currency so off of the the Bitcoin ledger, yep. sharing every other memory with Bitcoin, but forking off because they wanted a better mining experience. And that for them meant bigger blocks, like right. eight, eight uh, megabyte blocks. The Bitcoin, normal Bitcoin community wants a better, I guess, developing experience. So they, they're planning at the end of the month to do SegWit 2, yep. which is a code update. Yep. And this will actually increase the block size from one to two. But I right. guess that wasn't enough for the miners. Well, there's, I think there's a whole convoluted history here, <laughs> right? About kind of one, this question about whether Bitcoin, which is an open source software project, but has this value attached to it, will follow the pattern of other open source projects where like if two groups don't agree, they can kind of split and go their separate ways or whether it was different, right? Because Bitcoin was a thing and by splitting it, do you destroy the value of it? It was like this big argument that was happening, right? And so then there was this whole block size versus segwit conversation. And there's some economic reasons that either side went. The thing that I find fascinating is this was kind of resolved, right? And then in the last minute, some group of miners or subset of miners said, you know what? Screw it. We can kind of split anyway, right? And create something totally different, which I thought it was, it was kind of culturally fascinating, right? Because it was like kind of this group trying to move together as one and looking like they were successfully doing that. And then people saying, well, wait a minute, why do we have to follow these rules at all? That's kind of how I interpreted a lot of it. You think that's a, is that a fair way to think about it? That's a, that's a fair way to think about it. I think it's, it's definitely the first time Bitcoin has forked. Yes. So you, <laughs> so no one was really sure how it would work. No yeah. one was really sure because forks happen all the time in crypto, right? Sure. The only thing that differentiates the Bitcoin fork from every other fork, including probably the Ether fork is the consensus. Right. Like that was a significant group of miners that wanted to split off. Yes. And so consensus makes money. Like the two, the right. two things a currency power. needs is trust and yeah. the ability to be distributed. Yeah. So I think people really underestimated the Bitcoin cash group. Yeah, totally. Well, I think mm -hmm. it's, I mean, when I look at what just happened, I'm like, I'm pretty psyched about it. I think this is awesome, right? Like, I think, you know, I, you know, as someone who holds Bitcoin, has been into it for a while, et cetera, like, I think it's a really interesting thing where you can say, oh my God, there's a path for moving forward, which doesn't require full consensus all the time. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. full consensus is, as we know in our democracy, painful <laughs> and kind of expensive to achieve, right? And doesn't always lead to the best outcomes. So 
to me, I actually think that the successful, and again, like this is a somewhere between totally lay and totally technical perspective, call myself in the middle. Like, I think this is very exciting and very healthy for, for the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah, it's almost like let the strongest currency survive. Like you saw with Ether and Ether Classic, that Ether is trading at like 240 and Ether Classic is like at 15. Right. <laughs> well, although again, like the interesting thing about that is, yeah, the, the, the fact that the, think about it this way as a, as a Bitcoin holder, right? Or someone who has it, that all of a sudden there's this new path to moving forward, which says, look, your, in, your investment, your ownership, whatever, in some formations, is not going to change. I mean, the fourth, you just, you just get two of each. Yeah, it's not, it's not a split. A split is, so a split, split happens. Is pick A or B. Yes. Right. Or a split happens because some, some stocks like Google or Apple are too expensive for retail investors. Right. Like, <laughs> by the way, I've never understood. I <laughs> well, mean, people can't afford $3,000 a share. Like, that's just, I'm normal people. I understand. <laughs> I mean, it's a very strange. That's how that works. Stocks, the idea that stocks, whatever. That's a, that, a topic for another day. But when they split, it, the, an equal amount of value is uh, distributed between the two different shares. That's not what happened here. Right. You had, so Bitcoin's trading up, at, it's trading what it was before the, the fork. Higher. Yeah, higher. Well, higher and then you have this other set of, of shares, which are even more value. So it's like everyone got more except for Coinbase, <laughs> except for Coinbase users, which, you know, are that'll SOL. Be, <laughs> they'll be fine. I think, but again, so let's talk about a few of these things in order. I think they're all really interesting. One is, um, Bitcoin Cash is trading at a non-zero sum. It's now like what? I think it's like in the 7 billion range quote-unquote market cap but it's, it's like third largest cryptocurrency as always depends yeah. how you count but still it, it seems like it's a thing right um bitcoin bitcoin itself is the highest it's ever been post this fork why uh because of short squeeze so i i again am not a i'm an i'm a layman i'm not an expert i have a, an expert friend tammy camp who explains all this stuff to me uh, apparently people were really bearish on the fork so they thought that both currencies like they thought that bitcoin cash would be unstable and then they thought that bitcoin would lose value yeah people didn't know and so a lot of people shorted bitcoin and now post fork they have to find the shares to complete their shorts yep. and so there's more demand for bitcoin and that's why bitcoin's up it it won't stay up according to my cool crypto nerd friends it won't stay up for very long so i think one of the things that uh, a lot of the smart people and all the the groups i'm in are saying is to shift to sell right now and then and buy later buy, buy it like to to 600 like put in a buy order at that much. So it's a, it's an artificial, it's not, it's not a long-term thing. It's just a function of so, trading. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, again, I'm not a, a trader, um, but I, and I, I understand that argument. It's kind of interesting. You can have a short squeeze on something like this. Cause like, I don't even know who's writing real contracts on this stuff yet um, that are enforceable, but that, I'd be curious about that. But the, um, there's another argument that like, I, I saw them both go up. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Right. Because in the end of the day, if you said, okay, is Bitcoin core, Bitcoin itself worth more or less after this successful fork? To me, the answer is clearly more, right? All of a sudden we've demonstrated mm -hmm. that it can survive mm -hmm. this, that there isn't actually this like contention where like one chain tries to kill the other instantly. And like, it's not, it's not so bad. And moreover, all of a sudden it kind of means that I think this is, we talked before about ICOs, right? And this idea of like a new way to raise capital and the idea that Ethereum could be this incredible technology, right, as it's set up as a platform 
for raising capital for new types of entities on, you know, new currencies, et cetera. But there's this other interesting thing that kind of just revealed a card that got flipped over, which is, look, the other way you can kind of create something new is by dealing in all the people that already had a thing that was valuable and highly distributed. So the idea that like Bitcoin Cash, it's like if someone just launched Bitcoin Cash as an ICO from scratch, no one would care, right? But the fact that they said, hey, every single Bitcoin holder, here's your share of this thing. All of a sudden, uh-huh. like, oh, like I have something of value. This is tradable. This is interesting. It's already got that property of being distributed and going to be valued by more people. So the question in my mind is, are we now going to see a ton more forks? And by the way, um, will those forks be forking off the biggest currencies? So all of a sudden, if you're a Bitcoin holder in a year, you're going to have a hundred other currencies, right? Of people trying to effectively proxy off of what's there and build something new. So I, I, the, conceptually, there's nothing stopping people from just forking every day, right? right. Con- conceptually. But it's one of those things that you need, like, just like conceptually, there's, there's nothing stopping people from overthrowing the U.S. government. Uh, but you need consensus. You need a group. Except for of- a monopoly on the <laughs> use of force. <laughs> <laughs> That is true, but you know, governments get toppled, sure. uh, you know, often enough. Um, so you need people to actually agree on something. And from what I have heard from people smarter than I, what ends up happening is that every interval of three or four years, there's some technical constraint sure. that splits people. Yep. And that's why these things, that's why currencies fork, because one group is dogmatic about one specific solution to a constraint problem. Yep. And then one group thinks it should be solved a different way. Yeah. Well, I think that's mm-hmm. true, but I just wonder like, okay, so the eight megabyte block size, I'm sure someone has a very good technical reason for why eight is the right number for now. To your point, it won't be forever like that, but like six, three, four. I mean, like to me, the question is you're going to have different organizations with they don't want to want to tweak these things in all sorts of ways, right? Like you're seeing this now. Like if you think about the ways to create a cryptocurrency, there are now at least three ways to start. You think of one is the start from scratch, right? Like literally start from zero users, do something completely new, you know, advertise it, figure it out yourself, get it distributed, etc. I mean, I guess of the big biggest ones, you kind of argue that like XRP or Ripple did this. They just did it all. You know, they took they took the ideas and went in their own direction, right? And then there's the Ethereum-based thing, which is the craze of the last two months, which is certainly the lowest barrier, right? Like, you just use someone else's platform, and you kind of have some limitations based on the use of that platform, but it's also, like, 20 lines of code to do an ICO, which is pretty incredible. I mean, you saw the science. The last time we were talking about VC firms doing ICOs or startups going to ICOs instead of VCs, you saw startups uh, science be really, like, forward-thinking and raise... Or try to raise a hundred million on on Ethereum to fund startups. Like yeah. you're starting to see funds of funds of funds, coins of coins of coins of coins of coins. Twenty <laughs> percent all the way down. That's really funny. But um, so I mean, there's that. There's like you know what's Naval's doing with like CoinList and Filecoin, which is like another branch on this. And now you have this other thing, which is seems successful at least version one, right? Which is man, just like take someone else's fork. I'm sorry, someone else's coin with all their value and who's how it's already distributed. Like literally take their chain, do the copy thing, right? Um, which is again, to your point, a little bit what happened with Ethereum and Ethereum core or like Ethereum classic, sorry. Um, but, um, I just wonder whether this is going to open the door. Like, do you think in a, in a year we're going to have like a hundred variants? I think because of, 
because of things like Coinbase, like you could argue Coinbase is the most mainstream exchange. You're the, they're the ones that try to be the most compliant. I believe that Coinbase and maybe Gemini are FDIC insured for your fiat currency. Mm-hmm. And then Coinbase insures, <clears throat> insures your digital currency off the, it doesn't insure your account, but it insures, um, your currency on their platform. Right. So if something happens to the Coinbase platform, like what happened in the flash crash, right. they they try to make good. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get these more conservative movers not supporting the forks. <laughs> well, here's a question, though. I mean, I just pushed you on this because I think it's fascinating. Coinbase. So Coinbase has been in this interesting position, by my understanding, because they're a consumer wallet. But they're also like, again, like the founder of Litecoin works for them, right? And Litecoin's a really interesting, like fast mover. They have more freedom to figure things out there. And they run an exchange and their wallet. So they're like a pretty big political player. Mm -hmm. So my theory would be that if I were Coinbase and I'm not, even if I believed in Bitcoin Cash or thought it was going to be value or whatever, you have to signal that like, if you believe that it's important for there to be one Bitcoin, which if you unwind a week, a lot of people believe that like it needed to be one, like a fork would be disastrous, right? Which doesn't seem so, so far, but like they have to signal that they're not going to play ball, even if they'd want to play ball, mm-hmm, right? Because okay. it's a political issue mm-hmm. for them. Um, I mean, that's the interesting thing about the intersection of like economics and politics in this building community is like, so, but I wonder, they, they did send out a letter saying like they now not only will support Bitcoin cash, although in a very long time from now, right? Compared to like Zappo, which my understanding is supports it like now. Um, Kraken supports it now. Right. So like, but well, Kraken supported it, I think from like basically yeah. they do it from day one, but that was interesting. Like some people said, we'll support it. Some people anchored on, no, we won't. Right. Which is a lot about the similar anchoring on, you know, whether to go with seg to it or what the block size upgrade or things like that. So I don't know. I think it's interesting when you think about like, will Coinboys set themselves up now to support, tons more things right or will they just be like fine look we'll cave on this one right my sense is they'll probably just go for love fine we can it will support tons of stuff my sense and i don't want to speak for coinbase is that they're gonna that but this every- is a modest conversation <laughs> be for other people we have no yeah, facts we, we have no facts that's true <laughs> <laughs> but okay so my my idea is that they're they're gonna begrudgingly go into the fork yeah, they because it's not. But why are they why, like what? If you're them, Bitcoin why Cash you... is easily hackable. I mean, it's not. A, wasn't it hacked yesterday? I have no idea. <laughs> All right, so it easily hackable. It's it's a new thing. If it is, let's go do that. <laughs> yeah, why are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> so my sense is they're they're gonna play it most conservative player because they also it. A lot of this now is branding, like Litecoin's branding itself as the fastest coin and Ethereum's branding itself as, or Ether's branding itself as the coin with an actual application behind it. You know, a, a lot of this is like coins trying to differentiate based on like a couple of buzzwords and not, not maybe not real technological advantage, right? Yeah. And so I think Coinbase is going to brand itself as the most, most conservative exchange because I think they're like, I think they're trying to work with fidelity. Like yeah. if I look in my fidelity, I can see my Coinbase, right? That being said, can you really? <laughs> your your Coinbase shows up in your Fidelity account. I I that's that's what I read. <laughs> I haven't looked in my Fidelity in a long time because I've been too busy looking at Coinbase. <laughs> the question is, which goes in which? It's like, do you think someday Coinbase goes to Fidelity? Like, listen, Fidelity, we want to show Fidelity balances inside of Coinbase. Probably. I mean, you know the history of money. A lot of this is a lot, like digital currency really is an advantage. So something like eighty. 80% of all currency is digital already. Yeah. Right. It's just not 
decentralized. It's yeah. it's in banks and they take a long time to exchange with other banks. Yep. But it's already a lot of the, like money is most of money is already very conceptual. Mm-hmm. So I think that what Bitcoin did and what the currencies built around Bitcoin are doing is just making that conceptual thing more transparent. Yeah, just being like, here's how it actually works, right? And distributing the ledger instead of having it all be held by a few central players. So you could, yeah, so you could, many people think it's the internet. Many people think it, like, I think uh, Elon Gill said it was Netscape. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of, this is a really interesting analogy, again, because we think about, like, take HTTP, right? Um, Or, like, let's talk about internet terms for a second. Um, If you go talk to the inventors of the internet, like, Tim Berners-Lee, I've, I've seen him talk about this, and he's. Just, I saw him once asked, like, if you could do it all over again, what would you change about how the protocol was designed? Like, what would you actually change about it? And the problem is, is that once HTTP got distributed, or that's that's a little bit myopic, but like, let's just say the internet got established and the protocols got established, TCPIP, the whole nine yards, you end up in a world where, like, we kind of all just adopted it, and there are weaknesses with it. There's security problems with it, whatever, but you're done. Whereas the interesting thing, if you analogize that, to Bitcoin is we're still in like this protocol discovery phase. And the question is, is like, do you need one winner? Right? Like the internet analogy would say, yes, like some platform or a single thing will dominate. And then we'll all use that and variants on top of that. And you're done. I just, I'm not sure like why, if that analogy is fully correct, right? Like why can't we just have continuous, wouldn't it be a huge advantage to have, continuous protocol competition and innovation where you borrow from old protocols, but you change them or you evolve them in certain ways. Yeah, I think that would, but you think there's one player on the internet or are we all using? Yeah, we're using three walls. Yeah. <laughs> Google versus Facebook versus Amazon. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. Exactly. And, and you yeah, can, in some ways you can say Safari on, yeah. <laughs> on Apple. Yeah. yeah. So no, there, it's, it's still very much a Darwinism with internet products. And I, and I think that we're starting to see that kind of survival of the fittest with coins as well. Yeah. Interesting. And so I think with, with Bitcoin cash, it's, it's us figuring out whether it'll get, it will continue to get hacked or whether it will be stable or what happens. So I think that what happens when Coinbase starts supporting it in January, it will go up. Will it go up or will it go down? So more people, more people having it, more people trading it. Yeah. It's, it, it really, it really hinges on whether the people who get it, whether, whether the Coinbase users who get it. Dump it or keep it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. If they're a big enough block, right. That actually, so, you know, historically, the, the reason I like it, like I think about Litecoin, for instance, is like, you just watch Coinbase add Litecoin and it pops like crazy. Cause all of a sudden, and, and, um, a good friend and investing partner of mine, Kevin Colloran, Made this oh, yeah. point. <laughs> point, which I, it always annoys the crap out of me intellectually, but he was right. He's like, Oh, he's, I was like, cause I, I bought like one a long time ago and he, when it got listed on Coinbase, he's a big Coinbase user. He's like, bought some. And I was like, why did you buy that? Cause I didn't, I just held it. And he was like, well, because I think people are going to go on mm-hmm. Coinbase and see a thing which is quote unquote cheaper and they will buy it and therefore it will go up. Right. And I think he, he unfortunately is probably right about that. Um, but it meant that Litecoin popped a bunch when it got listed where interestingly, you're right because all the Coinbase users all of a sudden on someday, you know, like end up with a bunch of Bitcoin cash. Um, maybe they'll just dump it. Yeah. It's, it is a possibility. I, uh, I signed up for a Kraken cause I finally got, you know, people were calling, calling me coin basic, like, Oh, that, Oh, you still use Coinbase. <laughs> But so I signed up for a crack and I think I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy 
just bi- so it's more affordable than Coinbase Core or more port- ugh, more affordable than Bitcoin Core. I'm going to buy some Bitcoin Cash. You are. You yeah. Want to buy mine. I'm Maybe? not selling. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy some Bitcoin Cash because my bet is that it'll go up. Yeah. So my bet mm-hmm. is my bet is I just. I mean, I don't know, but I'm happy to hold it. Like to me, it's like I I've had a long term just hold and forget on Bitcoin and the reality. And I, I eventually, I've actually a long time ago just tried to buy the same percentage, like a few a basis point, call it in like all the coins that mattered. Right. Um, and uh, it's, I just think it's an interesting pattern that all of a sudden, like I feel happy to hold, I would never probably have bought Bitcoin cash, but the fact that I just had it makes me feel very differently towards it. And I think that's like an interesting emotional thing because I'm like, I'm not going to trade it, but I do wonder if like, I don't know. I feel like someone's going to give me another dopamine hit, right? Some by saying, Hey, instead of eight, it's going to be blah. And these five other different rules, by the way, we're copying the old chain. And all of a sudden the thing I would have normally said, this is just some digital number. There's no way I'm buying this. I don't care about this. I'm like, ah, I'll pay attention to that. Right. That's an interesting pattern. But if you take it to extreme, it'll dilute the value of Bitcoin in general. Well, that's the question is, will it, I'm not convinced that like people, this is again, like take it full circle. I feel like the original argument that people were having, which so far hasn't borne out, right? Although maybe it's just a short squeeze, right? Which is that if you fork Bitcoin or fork these things, you're diluting the value of the ones that already exist, right? Like that, it's like, but, um, if you fork them once, perhaps you're not, but if you fork them a million times, you're just fracturing trust. Because Are because you? then there's not interoperability, so there's no exchange, there's no liquidity. So you need, you need <laughs> exchanges, obviously. Um, I guess the question would become, like, if everything forked off of... Let's pretend a world where everything just forked off of Bitcoin, okay? Hypothetical future world. Um, then you kind of have, like, effectively, like, the original core currency that you know if something interesting comes up is going to get forked off of. And so just holding that means you're going to have access to all the innovation downstream. It's kind of like buying a share in Silicon Valley, right? Like if you could do that, right? Um, so I don't know that it would make it like if you all of a sudden said, okay, the innovation speed of things that I will get dealt into that fork off of this project that I'm involved in, right? It, it's um, is going to go up. And I'm going to go faster. All of a sudden, I think that would make the core thing more valuable, not less valuable, right? Even if there's a ton of different, you know, um, infinitely like experiments going on, right? It's like, it's like a GitHub project that gets forked like, a gajillion times. It's like, I would argue the GitHub project is more valuable, not less valuable. Yeah. No, that's, that is one point of view. And it, it, that is a point of view. Yeah. And you could probably see it like the real world analogy to this is the euro where it got less, where it, it did the opposite of a fork <laughs> yeah. and got less valuable yep. uh, in that process. So no, that's... the reverse fork is something we'll look forward to in the Bitcoin community. Could you imagine? How would that work? But I think the interesting like, the question to me though, is I think about, okay, imagine a Bitcoin gets forked into Bitcoin cash. Now all of a sudden the next person comes around and hypothetically says, yeah, like I really want to do the same thing where I imbue this thing I'm creating this project I want to distribute it to a bunch of people who already have something so they value it and will pay attention to it. Um, but what happens if Bitcoin cash gets forked rather than Bitcoin? Like what's the waterfall of forks, right? And like who gets dealt into the next iterations of innovation? Um, cause that's where it starts to get really interesting is I feel like whoever, it almost is like whatever, whatever chain is the one where the most forks are happening that are most interesting, uh, with the best community. 
I guess be the most reinforced. Who is most valuable, right? And I guess that's kind of like, but and so it's different from Ethereum, right? Because in the Ethereum case, they say, hey, it's a developer community, or it's a community, something where you can build coins on top of this. People believe it gets more valuable, which it does, right? The more iterations are built on top of it, because you kind of, at least for now, you transact with Ethereum at some level to pay for the for the movement of stuff. Um, This seems just like actually more of a related pattern than you might otherwise think. I don't know. I'm often crazy. No, no, you're not. I think you're, I think your point of view is, is uh, at least interesting, right? I think what the, the wrench in the gears is whether or not all the exchanges support the different forks. Yeah. Because the, the glue of this is just the ability to get liquid. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that thing you think about, like, is that in some ways that makes them, and this again creates the politics around all of these things, you know, Coinbase, GDAX, whatever it is. Um, that does create an interesting dynamic because all of a sudden you have miners, right? Which in things that require a lot of compute, right? Consolidate, have a lot of power, have enough power to create $7 billion currency out of thin air, right? Or a small number of them do, right? Apparently. Um, I guess like, that'll be the question is like, the exchange consolidation or proliferation, like how hard is it to start an exchange really? Right. Therefore, how consolidated is the power of exchanges? Um, which I guess then interfaces a little bit with the government because if the government regulates mm-hmm. the exchanges, they'll probably cause consolidation, right? Like, cause just be, you'll have Sarbanes-Oxley for, you know, you have higher reporting standards, you need more pro, you need more capital, you have fewer exchanges. Whereas if they're totally unregulated, if you don't like some exchange, it's really easy to start a new one. Then you have decentralization of exchange. It's the whole thing is a fractal, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that is why it's interesting to track because you don't know whether the 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 fract the fracticality of it will will destroy destroy or bolster value. Yeah. yeah. What what exchange do you use? I use them all. Use them all. Um, I'm pretty heterogeneous depending on the day i mean they don't all trade all things they have different i mean i i i'm signed up for a lot of them um and i kind of use them pretty interchangeably i never leave anything in them right for obvious reasons um but i i've I've used five or six different ones at this point um polonix which some people say not to trust but seems completely fine to me as long as you're not leaving a bunch of stuff in there um you know gdax kraken all these guys um but I guess this is actually interesting because I wonder, I've always kind of thought that people who own or buying the exchanges, it was kind of a commodity. And like, if you think about, for instance, the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, they're not that valuable, right? Like it's as, as companies, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're important, but like they're not that valuable as entities. I do wonder though, if regulation increases, just every sign that it will, and there are more things to trade. All of a sudden, do you think there'll be exchange consolidation? And all of a sudden, it makes sense to go buy or own exchanges. Yeah, I think there. I think yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. There definitely needs to be exchange consolidation. You get you you have Coinbase at one one end of the spectrum, which is like your mom's exchange, right? Like, every- well, it's not really an exchange. <laughs> you just buy and sell two things or three things to it, right? It's more a wallet, right? I think all of the all of the regulations that happen happen to protect like dumb investors, yeah. the dumbest of investors. Right. So if you start getting like right now, you could argue that that many of the people in crypto are, at least have a cursory technical knowledge, kind of understand. But you could you could 
you could also argue that it's a huge bubble and it's about to pop. But like my argument is that if you have braved the challenges of getting on an exchange and the challenges of getting your dollars into, well, that, and, into and Litecoin. And, and you're brave enough to like <laughs> to doing like KYC with like crazy mm-hmm. internet companies, that's gonna screen out most normal Americans. <laughs> yes, but the moment normal Americans start losing like their their retirement <laughs> funds on crypto is the moment you're going to start seeing the government intervene a lot more. And so perhaps you'll get a bunch of exchanges that are the more unsavory exchanges because there's a, there's like a range of flavors, apparently. Yeah. You'll start to see them shut down. Maybe. Although, again, like it's just so interesting and different than what we've seen historically because these are global. So it's like, sure, maybe Americans can't use them or it's illegal for Americans to use them. That doesn't mean they won't exist, right? So there's going to be this interesting nexus, it seems like, between more currencies and potentially forks of existing things. So people all of a sudden, even if you just invested in Bitcoin, it's like you're just, you know, you're a very simple approach. You invest in Bitcoin. That's it. Right. All of a sudden you now have two in a year. If you have 10 or 20 coins, you're like, I don't know what to do with these. Right. Then all of a sudden you're going to have to personally start at least understanding more or interfacing with intermediaries and exchanges to resolve your own balances and make decisions. Right. And so I wonder if there's this weird relationship between forks, more currencies, more people holding a more heterogeneous set of currencies, and then whether or not the core things get more valuable, exchanges becoming more valuable and more complicated and therefore getting regulated uh, and therefore consolidating, right? Like there's an interesting, like you could, you know, do a, a logic chain, <laughs> right? Around around the blockchain. Things, <laughs> a logic chain around the blockchain. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I mean, excited. A rising tide uh, floats all boats. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's like, I mean, to me, again, like, I, I don't know. I'm curious to hear your summation on this, but I just think like this week has been fascinating and gone better than could possibly be expected. And also just opened up a new line of thinking. Because I think before people really thought that this was going to be either very, very zero. Most people, most of the conversation I heard was very much a zero sum. Right. And it seems like, hooray, it's not. So I'm a big fan of follow follow the nerds. So it's like, and I know I know there's two groups of nerds in this, but for me, if the miners want bigger blocks, fine, yeah. let them fork. I I I believe that they're like this is progress towards more efficient mining and a more efficient uh, development of coins and like a better incentive system. And I know that there's like a difficulty situation. Like if people who are who are building these blocks want to make it easier on themselves to build or want to allow for like more efficient building, then by all means, let them. Well, <laughs> just to push on that, like, I think the discussion, everyone wants Bitcoin to be more efficient and these systems to be more scalable. The question is how do you achieve scalability? Right. And like one version of scalability, which is like, it works, but it's kind of brute force and whatever is just block size, right? The other version of scalability, which is, 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 you know, writing basically the ability to like bundle transactions together, do things, sync back to the blockchain more occasionally has other side effects, which might not be the best. But I, I don't think anyone is arguing against making Bitcoin more scalable. I think the people are just arguing about the economics and whether you do the obvious but brute force and not long-term sustainable thing or whether you try to come up with more sustainable but potentially more sophisticated answers right yeah so it's like risk versus conservative and the risk won right well temporarily I, and, I mean, it's really, i would also argue it's it's um 
it might be you can think about it like risky versus non-risky changes. You can also just think about it as like there is just some brutal economics to this. Like, do you want more transactions or fewer transactions on the core blockchain? Right. Um, the miners clearly want more, and that's fine. I think there's like value to that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch this stuff scale. The good news in my mind is, look, there's a path forward. Like, it's fine, right? Like, you can let a lot of people instead of trying to get again global consensus on this, you want to get largely global consensus, but when some radical faction wants to break off, they don't have to go to war, right, with the core group. They can just go form their own country, right, and, like, deal all the old citizens in the same way, right, at least for now. And then, you know, as a citizen, you're like, look, I got passports in both places. (laughs) (laughs) Globalization of of crypto. Exactly. Why not? Hopefully. Now we just need to make sure we have open borders. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully nobody builds a wall. (laughs) Aw. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah, I I can't wait until the next uh, Black Swan crypto event like to come weeks. back on the show. I'll see you in two weeks, and we'll, we'll I, I appreciate you coming and talking about this stuff. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to learn from you. I mean, you know, modest conversations is no fact zone, but it's fun. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, have a great day. Thank you. You too.